If you've ever felt like that, this series is for you. We're starting today a new study over the summer on the book of Ecclesiastes. And the book of Ecclesiastes describes life, how it really is here on planet Earth. And the overarching theme of Ecclesiastes is life is like living on a hamster wheel. You run and run and run and run and you get off and get back on. It describes life as it really is. Everything has kind of been there, done that before. So turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We're going to take it by section again as we look at the wisdom that comes as we live life obviously on a hamster wheel at times. Here's some of the things that Ecclesiastes is going to tell us as we go through the next couple weeks. Life is not predictable. The fast lose the race. The mighty lose the battle. The wise are not paid or honored, but sometimes ignored and undermined. Ecclesiastes tells us that life is not fair. Judicial power is abused. Leaders mismanaged. The wicked are praised. Some are given wealth but cannot use it. And the oppressed are not always comforted. Ecclesiastes tells us that God distributes mercy and misery to all, whether righteous or wicked. Ecclesiastes tells us that death conquers all, rich and poor, greedy and lazy, satisfied and dissatisfied, smart and stupid, strong and weak, bold and timid, those who love God and those who hate God. Death conquers all. Death is a common experience. It's shared like birth by all because we are all sinners. And the Bible, through Ecclesiastes, but the Bible in general, consistently paints a world of common good and common bad. There's misery and mercy that everyone experiences, no matter what your relationship with God. And so Ecclesiastes fits into this biblical mold, a world of common grace and common curse. Ecclesiastes tells us life is not a great big bowl of cherries, it's the pits. So let's dig in. Are you excited? Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. We're introduced to the author in verse 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. I just want to stop there just for a couple seconds. The word preacher in Hebrew is koholeth, and it probably means assembly leader. It's not the ordinary word for teacher. It means a public speaker. So if you prefer, it could be the speaker of the house. The house is a symbol for life. And so the Ecclesiastes, the preacher, the teacher, speaks to all of life. And so traditionally, Ecclesiastes has been attributed to Solomon. There are some discrepancies, but Solomon kind of fits the mold. He was the son of David. He was the king in Jerusalem. He was a king over all of Israel before the kingdom was split. And so uh, traditionally, uh, Mr. Koaleth, or we're going to call him Mr. Q, he, he, the teacher, the preacher, uh, has been viewed as Solomon. Now, I had an elder in a church a few uh, years ago, and he said, I hate the book of Ecclesiastes. It is so depressing. And one of the ways we can view Ecclesiastes that causes us to be depressed is as a cynic. That all it says is things are bad. All it says is that things are not so good. Now the book, uh, if we view it as a cynic, we view it as entirely negative. So instead of a cynic, I think Mr. Q was more of a realist. Mr. Q was a realist. Here's what he says. Here is life how it really is. I've observed, I've seen life, and I've looked out my window, and this is what I see is happening. This is what happens in life, and what happens is meaningful, even if we don't understand it. And so his problem is not that life doesn't have meaning, but that life doesn't work according to the way he thinks it should work. Have you ever been there? You think life should work out a certain way? 
You think that life should go according to plan. And when life doesn't go according to plan, it's out of alignment. It's, and so we, we start to become, we, we start to question, we start to wrestle, and we start to doubt. That's where the writer of Ecclesiastes is. Mr. Q says, here's how I think life should work, and here's how life really works. Here's how I think life should work. I graduate from high school, I go to college, I get a degree, I get a wonderful job, I get married, I have wonderful kids, I live till I'm 90, I get to see my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, and I die peacefully in my bed. But Mr. Q says, you know, life doesn't work out like that. It very rarely works out like that. And so what he does is, Mr. Q is going to show us life's frustrations. Human work with incomplete projects or results that evaporate by foolishness or oppression. Acts of God. He's going to show us acts of death. And so we're going to look through Ecclesiastes, the positive and the negative viewpoints, to find meaning in life. It's a life worth living. So the writer of Ecclesiastes says, this life is worth uh, living. This is, this is the life that God's given us. And so he's going to guide us in some wise living. So I'm going to uh, encourage you, uh, don't become depressed, but become a realist. That sometimes God's word has to chisel away at our ideals of how we think God should work, how we think life should work. And so Ecclesiastes is going to do that. It's going to root us back on planet earth and say, this is how life is. Are you going to live life how it really is and find meaning in life how it really is, not how you want it to be? Because when we want things to be a certain way and they're not the way we want them to be, we become disillusioned. We all have expectations for everything. We have expectations for our jobs. We have expectations for our family. We have expectations for our spouses and for our kids. And very rarely do people live up to our expectations. And so then we become depressed. We become cynical. We become frustrated. Or the writer of Ecclesiastes, Mr. Q, is going to say this. I want you to see life for real, what it really is. So let's just walk through these first couple of verses to kind of uh, put the groundwork down, to give us a basis for what he is going to say. The first thing that he's going to remind us of is this. All earthly things are vain when put in the place of God and made the ends instead of the means. Look at verses 2 and 3. The famous verse in Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Vanity of vanities. Whenever the Bible repeats something like, Holy, 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 or the holy of holies, the song of songs. It repeats the force because Mr. Q could have said, you know, life is vain. But he wanted us to know that it is really vain. So vanity of vanity. The word for vanity literally means breath or vapor. But it can also be understood as meaningless, absurdity, or senselessness. And so breath is that which is not firm, which is transitory, which we can't grasp a hold of. And so the writer of Ecclesiastes says this. All earthly things are breath, they are vapor, they are disappearing when they're put in the place of God and they're made the ends instead of the means. There was a man who lived his life like he lived every day on top. He came to work happy, he never had a down day. The people around him couldn't stand the fact that he had some secret in life. At coffee break one morning, a man said to this guy, he said, say friend, Now I know why you're always so cheery. You've got it made. He said, just yesterday afternoon, I was driving along in a taxi and I passed you. You were sitting there with this beautiful young woman whose back was to the street. And you were sitting there with intently listening to her. You and her were sitting close, just listening to each other. 
the guy leaned over and he whispered. He said, let me tell you the truth. That lovely young woman is really my wife who was telling me she was leaving me. And what looked like a sidewalk cafe was really our furniture out on the street. (laughs) Life doesn't always appear to be what it is. And so the writer of Ecclesiastes says, he uses this word vanity to describe life's frustrations and unfair situations. We've all been there. We've all been at those places where we say, this isn't fair. This is so frustrating. And so the, uh, Mr. Q says this, all earthly things are fleeting when they're put in the place of God. Now, God doesn't make things vain. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the verses on your notes, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. So God doesn't make things vain. We make things vain when we trust them instead of him. Writer of Ecclesiastes asks this, what does a man gain? The word gain, which means that which is left over after the transaction is complete. Things are empty, meaningless, purposelessness, uh, they, they are vain when they're put in the place of God and made the ends instead of the means. Think about all that we do in life. When we put all those things as the end, what we're working for, what we're living for, all of our resources and our goals and our aspirations, they're meaningless. It's vanity. He goes on to say, he says, what does a man gain by all the toil which he toils under the sun? Now, we're going to see that phrase under the sun over and over and over in the book of Ecclesiastes. So here's what it means. Under the sun is what? Life here on planet Earth. Above the sun is what? Is God who dwells in the heavens. Under the sun is life here on planet Earth. And so the writer of Ecclesiastes says this. Everything is vain if we put all of our goals and aspirations in that which is on the Earth. A modern translation may be wicked, wacky. Everything is just wacky. Vanity of vanity. Everything is just crazy. I have felt that, and you have felt that too. You do things, and you're like, this is just crazy. Why is it like this? And the writer of Ecclesiastes says, well, if you would observe life, you would know generally life is like that. It's just wacky. It is crazy. It is vanity of vanity. Paul uses the same word. In the Old Testament, they translated it into Greek. And so when they translate that word vanity into Greek, it's the very same word in Greek that Paul uses in the New Testament, Romans chapter 8. Look what he says. For the creation was subjected to futility. It's that very same word from Ecclesiastes brought into Romans. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. So Mr. Q says this, that life, if we put all of our stock in the things of life, it is vain. It is, it is a vapor. It is meaningless because only God is eternal. Only God is above the sun. Satisfaction with life under the sun will never occur until there's a meaningful connection to the Lord who is above the sun. We can strive and we can drive and we can press on and we can do all those things. But if we're just living under the sun, we get to the end and we're like, that was for what? And so he reminds us that all earthly things are vain. They're fleeting. They're, they're, they're just a vapor. And he says there's this toil in verse 3 that we toil and we have this, this uh, under the sun is, is that we live. There's this toil that can be either be physical or mental heaviness. It speaks of, the, of this temporal nature of our lives. All gains that we receive are by toil. Do you ever get to the end of the day and you say, man, I'm exhausted. 
I don't know what I did today, but I'm just tired. Or you're dealing with a very stressful situation, and you're like, you know what? I'd much rather be out digging a ditch somewhere than having to deal with this mental frustration and this stress. Sometimes those mental things in our lives are just as toilsome as the physical things. And so the writer of Ecclesiastes says, I know. I've seen that. And you've seen it too. I'm just stating the obvious. Is what do we gain by all our toil under the sun? Which leads to the second thing that he tells us is that all earthly gains achieved by hard work are eventually negated by death. Now, you won't find that on a Hallmark card or on a poster somewhere, but here's the point. Life, human life, is brief. There is a brevity of human life. And so Mr. Q's message is this. Life is hard, then you die. That's what he says. Don't we know that intuitively? We know that nothing on earth remains forever. We know that nothing stays the same. And so what he says is, a generation goes in verse 4, and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. What he says is, is that there's this this cycle, there's this monotony and and this purposelessness to nature. And so this this, uh, cycle of humans is one generation comes and another generation goes. Listen, There were people here before we got here. I know that's hard for some people to understand. They think they've arrived on planet Earth. They've got all the answers. They know how to do everything correctly. People that that lived before were just stupid. Do you know what? Somebody in a few years is going to think that about you. They're going to say that dumb generation back in 2019. What were they thinking? And so Mr. Q says this. A generation goes and a generation comes. A generation goes and a generation comes. And so everything that we achieve on Earth is negated by death. So then he uses three examples from nature to show us what he means. Look at verse 5. The sun rises and the sun goes down. It hastens to the place where it rises. He says there's this this cycle of, of things that just happens. He says the wind blows to the south. It goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuit, the wind returns. Verse 7. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow, there they they flow again. And so he uses these examples from nature because he wants us to know this, that history is linear, but life is cyclical. Well, what does that mean? It means this. History is linear. There was a creation. There was a beginning point. We are now in the the middle, and there's going to be a restoration of all things when Jesus returns. And so we are moving from point Uh, beginning of creation to the point of restoration. So history is linear. We're moving uh, to a particular point, but life is cyclical. The things that you're experiencing have been experienced by other people before you. The things that you're experiencing have been experienced or are being experienced by people right now on planet Earth. And so what uh, Mr. Q shows us is that he uses nature to show us that life involves cycle. And so there's this busyness to life. What does he say? The wind blows and the sun rises and the streams run. To what end? The sun goes across the sky and it goes down. And guess what? Boop! It comes up again. What was it trying to do all day? It just comes up again. The streams that are running, they go to the sea where the water's evaporated and it rains and refills the streams. What was that stream thinking? It's just this cycle that goes. The wind, it blows. It blows from the west. It blows from the north. 
guess what? It blows from the west again. It blows, and it just goes around and around and around. And so the, he uses nature to say that there's this, there's this cyclical part of life that our lives really go through these cycles. We're born, we grow up, we hit that middle age, we hit the old age, and we die. And that happens to everyone. There's a cycle that goes and goes and goes. And so he says, just as the sea is never full, people struggle to find satisfaction in life. One of the things that he's going to emphasize is the unsatisfactory nature of wealth throughout the book. We strive our entire lives. We push our entire lives to get the promotion, to get the raise, to get the increase, to get the more and the more and the more. And guess what? Just like the wind and the sea, it's never enough. And so he reminds us that history is linear, but life is cyclical. He looked out, he says, I'm observing life. And I'm seeing what's happening to you has happened to other people before. I'm seeing what what you're going through in your life has happened to other people before. We can either come from a couple places. We can come from a place of pride where we think, whew, this has never happened to anyone before because I'm so special. I hate to break your bubble, but it has happened to other people before and you're not so special. Or we can come from a a place of defeat where we can say, oh, this has never happened to anyone before. What's wrong with me? And Mr. Q says, yes, get up, dust yourself off, and move along because this has happened to other people before. You're not the only one this has ever happened to. How do I know? I've observed life. I've looked and I've seen human nature. I've seen people. And so life is cyclical. The fourth thing that he reminds us is this. There is no satisfaction in ceaseless activity. Look at verse 8. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been will be, and what has been done will, uh, what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. He starts out and he says, there's just this weariness. Don't you... Don't you just get tired of getting up every morning sometimes? You got to get out of the same bed. You go to the same bathroom. You look at the same face in the mirror. You got to shave the same parts every day. You got to wash the same thing. You go to the same job. You meet the same people. And at the end of the day, you go back, right? And it's just this, this cycle. And the writer of Ecclesiastes says, yes, there is a weariness to us if that is all that we're focusing on life. It's that's all where we're putting all of our activity. And he says, I'll show you two more examples, the eye and the ear. The eye is never done seeing. Your eyes never say, you know what? I've seen everything there is to see. Good night. And they blow black. The ears are never full of hearing. Say, you know what? I've heard it all. I'm done. No. If you don't believe that the ears are never full of hearing, pull up next to the guy or have the guy pull up next to you that has the speaker the size of his trunk in his car. And he's enjoying his music, ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And you're enjoying his music, ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And why does he put thousands of dollars into a speaker in the trunk of his car? Because his ears are never full of hearing. And the writer of Ecclesiastes says, I have been in traffic, and that guy's pulled up next to me. 
And I know his ears are never full of hearing. And so he says, here's the sun, the streams, the wind, and the ear. And there's this restless activity that we go through in life. And it doesn't seem like there's any conclusion or there's any end. Sometimes, we don't we get to that place where we just say, I just wish it was over. I just wish it was done. I just wish I didn't have to do this again. And the writer of Ecclesiastes says, I feel your pain. Because that's how life is. There is no satisfaction in ceaseless activity. He says, we've been there, we've done that. We're the hamsters on the wheel. And we strive, and we go, and we have this thing. We're, we're, un, we're, we're restless, and there's this, this unrestless in our mind. There's this ceaseless activity. And what are we told, though, in our world? We're told to keep discovering. You just keep learning. You just keep digging. You know what happens when we get the question answered? There's another question mark down the road. They're just, they're just, they're just is never enough. We pursue another degree, we pursue another career, we pursue another relationship. We just keep going and going and going. And once we get there, what do we do? We keep going and going and going. And Mr. Q says this, there is no satisfaction in that. There is no satisfaction in just this restless pursuit of whatever you're looking for under the sun because you're not going to find it under the sun. You need to connect with the Lord who is Above the sun. Now, what he says is this, that there is nothing new. He's not talking about technology. We go back, we say, well, Mr. Q, look at this iPhone. You said there's nothing new. Yes, there is nothing new. But he's not denying innovations in art and technology, in literature, in architecture. But all those things are variations on what's already existed. What he's saying is there's nothing new in the human spirit. There's nothing new in our, in our quest for satisfaction. There's nothing new in our drivenness. People have been driven since they were driven out of the Garden of Eden. He says what happens is if that's all you're doing, there's nothing new. And there's no satisfaction in ceaseless activity and just going and going and going. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, be still and know, what? That I am God. And you know that word for be still literally means cease striving. That's what it means. It doesn't mean be, it means be still, like, like quit moving. Cease your striving. And then you'll know that I am God. And so Mr. Q says this, there is no satisfaction in ceaseless activity. In fact, he's going to tell us throughout the book, I've tried it all. I've done everything. Wine, women, uh, Art, work, you name it, I've done it. And I always came up empty. Are you feeling empty from your life? Like, do you feel like you're just doing and doing and doing and there's this emptiness? It could be that you're looking for satisfaction in your activity. And listen, activity will never satisfy because there's always more activity to do. It's just a bottomless well. Do you remember back in 1984? Some of you do. In an attempt to boost sales and compete with its biggest rival, Pepsi... Coca-Cola tweaked its classic formula to create a slightly sweeter flavor. What was it called? New Coke. Unfortunately, customers threatened boycotts, and Coca-Cola's own bottling partners are reluctant to distribute New Coke products. It was a flop. But in the 1990s, Coca-Cola rebranded New Coke as Coke 2, but then entirely discontinued the drink in 2002. Now... They tried once, there's new Coke, but nothing's really new, we don't want that. They tried again, there's new Coke, but there's really nothing new. Now, 
In the third season of Netflix's massively popular Stranger Things, if you've seen it on Netflix, it includes the characters who are based in 1985 drinking, guess what? New Coke. And so, for a limited time, because of the nostalgia of the show, guess what you can buy in 2019? New Coke. You got it. There is nothing new under the sun. New Coke isn't even new anymore. This is the third round, but hey, we're going to try it again. And it's a commentary on what Mr. Q is telling us, that this ceaseless activity, there's really nothing new. It's all been here and been done. We've been there, we've done that, and we go on this hamster wheel of life. The new thing that comes really only comes from God. Look at um, Jeremiah on your notes. Behold, the days are coming declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt. That covenant they broke. But what he says is, for this covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, declares the Lord, I will put my law in them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. And no longer shall they teach their neighbor. Right? There's this, there's this new thing that comes But it doesn't come from ceaseless activity, it comes from God. It's a new heart, and it's a new life, and it's a new start, and it's a new beginning. It's the new covenant. It's this new thing that happens. And so there is something inside of us that we're looking for the new thing, but Mr. Q says this, if you're looking for the new in your activity, you're never going to find it. But you find it in God, who gives the new to you. Here's the fourth thing he tells, or the fifth thing, to kind of lay the groundwork for where he's going. Our ceaseless activity is the result of bad memories. If you think about it, why do we keep doing the thing that we do? It's because we forget that we have been there and done that already. You know the definition of insanity? What is it? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results? Mr. Q says, yes, that's what I'm talking about. You are insane. Insanity of insanity. Everything is insane. Why? Because we have imperfect memories. In verse 11, he says this, There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. You've got to love Mr. Q's practicality. Here's what he says. One generation comes and goes, another generation comes. And so this generation that comes forgets what the other generation knew, so they try something new, but then they forget that it's already been tried, and then it fails, and they're like, huh, what just happened? But then the later people who come try it again, and they forget this generation tried it, and so they're like, huh, what happened? You see, our ceaseless activity is because we have bad memories. We forget that we've already tried this, that I've already been on the hamster wheel. I've already tried this ceaseless activity. Maybe this time, this time, if I do it, it will come out differently. Maybe this time, if I just tweak it a little bit. And Mr. Q says, no, you just have bad memories. You know, the good old days were not really the good old days. We just have really bad memories. You know, psychologists have actually done studies. Remember foods that you loved when you were growing up with your family? That, that our memories are so bad that if you were given that exact same food from when you were growing up, you, it would taste different to you because your memory has changed. You, have, you just have a bad memory. 
that it really doesn't taste like what you thought it tasted like, that if I had the real thing, I'd be like, that's not it. It's not the food. It's your memory. And Mr. Q tells us the good old days were not really the good old days. They're just the old days. They were good and they were bad. It's just our memories are bad. And so we tend to think that they were good. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go back to when the doctor's remedy for everything was to saw off a limb. You got an infected toe, let's cut your leg off below the knee. Your, your wrist is broke, we're going to cut it off below the elbow. Right? I don't want to go back to that. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go back to the time when you had to walk out in the middle of the night in the winter to a little room with a moon cut out on the door and go to the bathroom. Like, who wants to do that? And because we have bad memories, we think that the good old days were the good old days. Now, there were bad things we remember, but we tend to have this nostalgia. And Mr. Q says this, it's because we have imperfect memories that we think that we're going to be the ones that are able to do it. You have two ways to learn things. One of the ways that we can learn things is to, by direct experience. I go in. I put my hand on the stove and I get burnt. Ouch, that hurts. So I can learn never to put my hand on the stove again. That's one way, right? Direct experience. The other way we can learn things is by other people's experience. So I place my hand on the stove and I burn it. Ouch, that hurts. I've learned a lesson. And then when one of the kids tries to put their hand on the stove, I can grab it and I can say, no, you don't want to do that because you're going to get burnt. We can learn from other people's experiences, or we can learn from our experiences. Now, here's the problem. We don't have time in life to experience everything to learn from it. We just don't. And so Mr. Q is going to tell us, here's some experiences that I went through, and if you will learn from them, you won't have to experience them yourself. Trust me. But because of our bad memories, we say, well, Mr. Q was just a dum-dum, so I'm going to have to do it myself. I'm going to put my hand on the stove, and I get burnt. And Mr. Q says, you know why you got burnt? Because you have a bad memory. I told you you were going to get burnt. You had to figure it out for yourself, and now you just got burnt. And so he wants to save us from the pain that life can bring by giving us this wisdom. He says only a handful of people are remembered from generation to generation. I'm going to give you some things, uh, titles. See if you remember these. <clears throat> Um, turning Japanese, 96 tears, and no rain. Anybody remember what those are? I'm going to add a couple other ones to this. Tainted Love and My Sharona. They were one-hit wonders. You know why they're called one-hit wonders? Because we don't remember them anymore. Or how about these? Gary Lucy, Chris Judd, Daniel Bedingfield. They were star actor celebrities in the 2000s. I'm sure they were teen girls with their posters on the wall. They were lined up outside screaming when they got out of the, out of the limousine. And today, nobody remembers them. We've already forgotten about them. How about these? Millard Fillmore, Chester Arthur, and John Tyler. I remember them? They were former U.S. presidents. But we don't remember them, right? And that's what Mr. Q is saying. Even celebrity, even things that are popular at some point are forgotten. 
you and I at some point are going to be forgotten. Our headstones are going to sink into the mud from time. Nobody's going to come place flowers on them anymore. Our great-great-great-great-grandchildren aren't even going to remember our names. What was the name of your great-great-grandfather on your mother's side? And we are going to be forgotten. And Mr. Q says, that's just how it is. You can rail against it. You can complain it's not fair. You can want it to be different. But all those things don't matter because that's how it is. So are you going to adjust your life to reality? Or are you going to live in denial and try to have a life adjust to what you think it should be? And Mr. Q says this, I want to save you from the pain of this life of expectations. And our ceaseless activity is one of those things. Why do we work and work and work and work and work and our families suffer and our children don't know us? We never take a vacation and we work and work and work and work. Why do we do that? So the boss can come in and give us a pink slip someday and say, you're done. But, 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 Mr. Q's like, I told you that's how life is. You're putting all your energy into the ceaseless activity, and you're missing the point of life. The point of life is not life under the sun. The point of life is the God who is above the sun. And if you're only living under the sun, you are going to be sorely disappointed. Why do we put our lives into the pursuit of education and degrees and knowledge, and later in life we develop dementia or Alzheimer's, and we don't remember a thing that we studied? Mr. Q says, I told you, that's how life is. What if we spend our entire lives, we, are, we get up and we run five miles every day, we don't eat saturated fat, we eat bran, we eat all kinds of things, and we die from cancer. Mr. Q says, that's how life is. You are doing this ceaseless activity and you're expecting some result. But I'm here to tell you the results you're expecting sometimes and mostly don't happen the way you want them to. You can be depressed about it. You can be sad about it. You can be angry about it. Or you can find meaning by connecting to the God who is above the sun and finding some meaning in all of that. Mr. Q says, I want to spare you from burning yourself on that hot stove. Will you please listen to me? He's not claiming that there is no remembrance of any human in history. The, meaning, the, what he's ma- the point he's making is that, is that people move on from fame and glory into lasting insignificance. Our lives on planet Earth, as one generation comes and another generation goes, will dissolve into lasting insignificance. Your life and my life will not matter 200 years from now. It just won't. Say, well, that's not very nice. That's not very fair. Mr. Q's like, you're exactly right. Please listen to me. That's life. That's, that's the reality of life. And so what are you going to do with your life under the sun to find some meaning in your life and to find some purpose in your life besides your ceaseless activity? Besides the pursuit of things that are not going to last. You know the old joke about you never saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul? It's true. At the end, it's the end. And Mr. Q says, what are you going to do? 
I'm not here to depress you. I'm not here to make you angry. I'm not here to upset you. I am a realist. And I want you to view life in a real way. J.I. Packer says this, Mr. Q's counsel to be satisfied with the glimmers of joy that God shines into the gloom of darkness under heaven is sane, serious, healthy advice. Mr. Q is going to give us some sane, serious, healthy advice. He's going to say life is hard. It's difficult. It doesn't always turn out the way you want. There's many hurts and and, uh, uh, tragedies along the way. But in the midst of that, there's glimmers of joy that God can give. Don't you want that in your life? Aren't you tired of just running on this hamster wheel, of doing the thing, and you're just expecting someday to happen, right, for your ship to come in? Listen, your ship has hit the iceberg. It's going down a long time ago. It ain't coming in. And if you're waiting and basing your life on your ship to come in, you are going to be disillusioned. You are going to be frustrated. And Mr. Q says this, you need to find the joy in your life right now. Right now, life on planet Earth. Right now, with those sad relationships that you have, that awful job that you have, that the, the failing health that you have, all of that stuff, you need to be able to find some joy in your life right now. Because if you're waiting and you're doing the ceaseless thing to get to that point so you can have some joy and you can have some happiness and you can have some peace, you're going to live your whole life looking for something and then you're going to die and you're never going to find it. So Mr. Q gives us some sane, serious advice. He avoids two dangers. There's a, one of the dangers is a theology that a believer's joy eliminates the body blows and the soul strikes of life. There have been well-intentioned believers through the years. They say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. I just was in a car accident and my arm is broken. I'm rejoicing in the Lord, right? There's a, there's a dangerous theology that says all the bad stuff in life, if you just have enough joy, you can ignore it. Mr. Q says that's dangerous. Why? Because your arm's still broken. You need to get the thing fixed. And so he's going to avoid the theology that goes so far one way and says that the joy of the Lord will eliminate any tragedy, any heartache in life. Another thing that he's going to help us avoid is that the Spirit's power and protection in our life wipes out life's storms and that a believer's wisdom provides a comprehensive divine perspective that clarifies everything. God does not protect his people from all the harms of life. That happened one time that I know of. Remember the land of Goshen in Egypt when the Israelites were there and God wanted to show his power and he sent plagues on Egypt, but the land of Goshen, they were protected. That is not the life of a believer. That was the life of the Israelites to get them out of Egypt. So the theology that God's somehow going to spare me from all the hurts of life, all the pains of life, is simply not true. And Mr. Q is going to say, even as believers in God, even as as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we know we are not spared from the difficulties of life. And so I don't have to have some Pollyanna view of life. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy, You just need to stop and cry sometimes. 
You just need to be broken sometimes. You just need to say, this stinks. I hate what's happening. Most believers do not grow spiritually because they don't grow emotionally as well. We need to get to the emotional maturity in life where we can say, you know what? I don't really like this. It doesn't mean I'm a bad Christian. It doesn't mean that I don't love Jesus. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to go to heaven when I die. But what it means is I look at life realistically and I look at life for what it really is. And Mr. Q is going to do that in our lives. He's going to say, listen, life is tough. It is real. Hard things happen. And if they're happening to you, it's just, it's just how life goes. You don't need to overthink it. You don't need to over-spiritualize it. It's just the rough and tumble of life here on planet Earth. Are you just living life under the sun? As we've laid the foundation from Mr. Q this morning, he's going to give us a, a realistic view of life. I'm sure some of us today, are, we're just disillusioned. We had plans for life, and we thought things were going to work out a certain way, and we thought that at this place in our life, we would be at a different place. And so we are struggling, and we are disappointed. We may be angry. We may be frustrated. And Mr. Q says this, just take a step back. Just look at your life for what it really is. Don't focus on the what-ifs, the could-haves, the should-haves. It doesn't change a thing about today. None of us can time travel. None of us can go back in time and change what happened before today. But all of us can change what's happening from day on in the future. So maybe you're struggling this morning and you say, you know what? Life is the pits. I was expecting a bowl of cherries, but this is what I got. And Mr. Q says, you know what? You're not alone. We all have it. We all have it. Quit your ceaseless striving. Live life above the sun. Connect with the God who's made you, the God who's loved you, the God who has redeemed you. Then you will find meaning with life under the sun. But if you're trying to find meaning by life under the sun, you'll never find it at all. You find God, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And what did Jesus say? All these things will be added to you. But if you seek all these things, you're going to miss everything else. Would you please stand and we're going to pray. And can I ask you just to be honest with the Lord in your heart? Don't in your heart apologize and say, Lord, I feel this way, but I know I'm not supposed to. Mr. Q would say, yes, you're supposed to feel that way. You're human. You got burnt. You should be angry. You should be disappointed. Lord, I'm a little frustrated, but I'm a believer and I shouldn't be feeling frustrated. And Mr. Q says, you're living life. Be frustrated. Don't live in denial. Call it for what it is. Lord, I've had, some, I've had some expectations in my life. I thought I would be in a different place today, and I'm just a loser. I'm so, and Mr. Q would say, no, 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 no. You are where you are. It's okay where you are. But don't just live life under the sun. Connect with the Lord who's above the sun. Let's pray. Father, we oftentimes, um, our, 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 our spirituality speaks to life in ways that are not true. So, Father, we thank you for the wisdom of books like Ecclesiastes, where intuitively we know 
what are we doing this for? We just end up dying. But we're reminded that if it's only life under the sun, if it's only what we see, only the accomplishments of of human hands, we are going to be disappointed. So, Father, over these next few moments, just ask to do a couple things. One is that we would just be brutally honest with you. Some of us have been lying to ourselves and lying to you. We're hurting. We're disillusioned. We are struggling. We are doubting. But we, won't, we don't want to speak it. We don't want to admit it because we're supposed to be good Christians. But God, thank you for the permission that Mr. Q gives us to just speak the reality of life. Just to see it for what it is. Help us to quit living in this spiritual bubble and to get and to see life for what it really is. God, help us to connect to you, the God who gives purpose and meaning to life under the sun. Yes, our life is brief. Yes, all of our activity will end in death. But God, we know that in Jesus, we won't taste death. We will experience eternal life. That there is more than life under the sun. So, Father, minister to us now over these next few moments as we just are brutally honest with you. See life for what it really is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.